The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message. Um, tonight we're talking about the joy of the spiritual disciplines. Um, and so I'm very excited to share that. So spiritual disciplines is what we're talking about. And the biggest thing we want to see, okay, we're going to start out like we look at spiritual disciplines. We want to look at, well, how did Jesus do it? Because that's what we're going to look at. He's our example. So we're going to see. So this is a good verse to have marked in your Bible, definitely. But Mark 1.35 says, um, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And that's encouragement just to see how he did it, how Jesus did it. Okay, we're going to look at just a few daily disciplines and kind of um, talk about that first. Um, maybe some different things that you do, a regular thing that you might do. Um, my mom lives in Florida. Um, I'm here in Kentucky. Um, but my mom calls my grandmother, her mother, um, every Sunday. And um, me and, and some of my aunts and uncles and my sister help to do 24-7 care for my grandmother. And so sometimes I'm over on Sunday and, you know, my mom you know, I'm trying to see if she's already made her call to my grandmother. And if it's time for Granny and I to have a nap, then I call my mom and say, okay, Gran Granny and I are fixing to take a nap. Can you call us after we get up? <laughs> but but my mom's very regular. And that's when she calls. That's when she does that. So she has a discipline for doing that. Um, my brother and sister-in-law, the weekend after Thanksgiving, they go to Tennessee and they do all their Christmas shopping in one weekend. And I've always thought they were nuts. For doing that they get the whole thing done but i guess my method of going on the 22nd 23rd of december maybe isn't the best discipline to to have okay so you may have different disciplines of things that you do and things that you don't do um things that you take time for um i try to not break my record of having ice cream every night so i have a good discipline for that um and uh, talking talking more maybe talking less obviously just trying to just being a little silly with you but there's some disciplines that we do. And so one, maybe waking up early. Is that something that you like, something that you want to do? Um, or are you a night owl? So waking up early is one of the, one discipline that, that some people may have, and it may be not one that others have. Um, getting some exercise, taking time out to go for a walk or to get some kind of exercise is another type of discipline. Cleaning the house. You know, another discipline, some people have different schedules of doing it, or some people do it more or less. Um, I'm sure this is one nobody, uh, if you don't get around to it, that's all right. Okay, I thought this would be one that people may uh, want to stick with no matter what, regular hair appointments. Um, that's important for us ladies. Okay, what I want to start out and kind of sharing as we're talking about spiritual disciplines, say it almost never happened. Um, we take time for what matters. Um, this is a wedding picture of my husband and I. This is in 1995, but we met in 1992. And when we met, I was taking a class at University of Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky University. And I was working two jobs and I was teaching Sunday school on, in the, on Sundays. I had no time. I had no time in my schedule. Uh, a friend of mine invited me to her house in London for the weekend. 
and said, um, asked if I wanted to go and, and you know, just come and see, see her. And I said, no, I can't. I'm too busy. I can't do it. And then after I got off the phone, I realized I don't do anything. I don't get around to doing anything. I'm always busy. I'm always working. Um, but I called her back and I said, OK, I'll go. I'll go. And that's when I met Robert. And so last year it was 30 years since the time that we met. Um, and God's used that to show me because we both were broke. We were both broke college students. We had cars that weren't reliable. Neither one of us had air conditioning in our car. That's pretty bad when you're trying to make a good impression on a date. When um, you, you start dating in the summer and it's really hot. Okay, But that's shown me my whole entire life that if something's really important, you take time for it. You take time for what matters. And I, did, I didn't quit school when we started dating. I didn't quit my jobs. I still needed that to pay for college. But we found ways to get together, you know, to have a date. We found ways to, it, well, most of them were at a park and for a picnic because that was the cheapest thing we could do. Um, but you take time for what matters. And so God's used that um, to help me with, even with my quiet time and my walk with him. Um, and I love this. Um, God never overloads us. We do it on our own. And we have to be aware of that. Um, when we've got these busy schedules, these busy demands, and maybe some of these disciplines that we've already set up for ourselves. But I love this scripture that Jesus gives us in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. So we may feel like we have these, these huge burdens, these huge um, tasks that we've got to do, all these things that are going on. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. And so great encouragement that we can have um, through just coming to Jesus um, and learning from him and watching him. And we all know, I think, maybe the story in Luke chapter 10, just a few short verses um, where Mary and her sister Martha, Jesus was coming to their house for dinner, and Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet, and Martha is preparing the food, and Martha's upset, and asks Jesus, you know, will you tell my sister to help me, help me with what's going on here, and Jesus gives this response, and says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And so I think it's a good lesson because we may say, well, Mary wasn't helping. She wasn't doing anything. Well, at that moment, Mary was doing what was best and Martha was not. And so sometimes we have to just be able to sit still, be with Jesus and not do the other things, the other demands that are all around us, but to have that time. And Jesus saw that, noticed it and let Martha know um, what was the better of the two choices in that situation. I like this quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, we Christians must simplify our lives or lo lose untold treasures on earth and, e and eternity. Modern civilization is so complex as to make the devotional life all but impossible. The need for solitude and quietness was never greater than it is today. And I think we know that there's just the busy and the struggle and demand on our time is, is, is so rampant. But for us to be able to take that time out, that time that we need to have with Jesus. And that's what part of the spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about tonight is how can we do that in the middle of the, the, the busy um, lives that we all lead? How do we do that? How do we make that time? 
And I love, I wanted to make sure that I gave this verse. A lot of us know John 3, 16, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the verse right after it, John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's not condemnation here. We're trying to see, we want to have this time with Jesus. We have busy schedules. How do we make time for him? And a friend of mine, um, she gave a great example. I thought it was really helpful. And she told me she, it was just kind of like an example of a boy that has a dog and needs to feed the dog. And so day after day, the parents would get on him and say, you know, did you feed the dog? Did you feed the dog? And he wouldn't get around. And then finally, the parent says, well, do you love the dog? And that's really meant a lot to me when she said that, because it's like, you know, well, do you love the dog? You know, when we love Jesus, we just want to spend time with him. We just want to have time in his presence. And he will help us to do that. Um, but we don't have to do it all on our own. Um, this is a picture of my son and our neighbor next door. And we went to the lake with them. And I was terrified for them to be on this float. And I said, you got to hold the rope. You have to hold the rope. You have to hold it. And you can see my our neighbor was having a lot more fun than my son was because he was trying to do all the work and he didn't have to do all the work. But I was so anxious and so scared. I was like, don't you let go of that rope. Don't you let go of that rope. You know, it was just my mom fear in that. But they just had to trust. They could just they could just ride and enjoy it and have fun. And once they did that, everybody was having a good time. And we don't have to do there's the part that Jesus does and part we do. We trust him and we walk right behind him. And it doesn't have to look like this. It's not the strain and the struggle, but it's that that peaceful walking right behind him. Um, this is a tree in my front yard. I know it's amazing. And it's it's a massive. It's massive. Um, a tree company come out and said it may be 300, 350 years old. Um, it's a large oak tree, but it always reminds me of the verse of John 15, 5, which is so important for us to remember. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. So we want to be clinging to him no matter what. We want to be a part of the vine and, and that's where the fruitfulness is. Once we're broke off from the vine, then the branch shrivels up and there's no life in it anymore. So we have to stay connected to Jesus and abide in him and dwell in his presence. And we do that by those, those spiritual disciplines of just taking time with him. Jesus himself told us that he's the way. And uh, John 14, 6, where he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so we just follow him. He's, he says he's the way, so he will lead us. He will lead us. And we remember, remember, there's no condemnation. He's the way. We just follow him. And this prayer is our lifeline. That's what we want to do. And that's just talking to God, talking to him in the morning, and at night, in your car, um, quietly, out loud, um, that we can have that time of communicating with him and have that time. Um, and that's what's important. Ask him about your day. Tell him that you don't understand what you just read in scripture. You don't understand why this has happened. Um, we're hearing about um, different difficulties and struggles with other people, and I'm sure you may have those as well. I know I have those, um, but we can ask God and we can go to him with those things. And last week I heard a give statement. She said, bring everything to Jesus. Um, he will give you a solution. 
you bring it to him. And so that's what we need to do. Bring everything to him, whatever it is, stuff you don't understand, stuff you're mad or angry about, stuff you're upset about, or you're just hurting, your heart is aching, um, go to him in prayer. Bible time is happy time. When we have time in the word, that's important. And that's, uh, and that's what we want to keep, that the Bible is central to our life, to give us guidance and direction for life. We want to spend time in God's word, time in his presence, time just well in his presence with a journal, with a notebook, write down what he's showing you, mark things, mark pages, underline things where you can go back to it and see what God has said to you. Start your day with Jesus. Start your day with him. Find you a spot and, and, and have that time with him. For any need you have, go to God's word. See what he has to say about it. Go to God's word first before you go and ask somebody else's advice or something. Go to God's word and see what he has. His word is powerful and he can speak into any situation. And this is a quote that I heard, I think, at a Come to the Fire conference, and I love it. And she bolted it out through the microphone and she's, you know, she was given a book commercial for lots of books. And then she grabbed her Bible and she said, read your Bible. It'll feed your soul. And I love that. And it will. And it's such power in the in God's word. Um, and so this is what we live on. This is what gives us guidance for living. There's joy. There's great joy in God's word and in reading it. And we can treasure that word. And all the power comes from this book. The power it that's what when we read this and we and the Holy Spirit works as we read and as we uh, seek God out and we just read and, and, and dwell on his word and, and see what his he would what guidance he wants to give us for our life. Um, this is where we go to. This is our rule book. This is our guidebook. This is our handbook for life. And also this let us not neglect our meeting together. Hebrews 10, 23, just like we're gathering together tonight and you may have. I'm sure lots of busy things, lots of things that are competing for your time, but don't give up meeting together with other believers. Keep that time where you meet with one another and you pray with one another and you, you have that time together. You can do this, but also at your church, have a church where you're connected with and where you're um, meeting with others and you're, you're talking with one another and you're reading the word together and praying together. And we can treasure God's word. And I love this verse in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The Bible will feed you and the next generation. Trust in Jesus and his word around the world as you serve Jesus around the world. These are all people that are part of the Titus team that are doing this study these um, 10 weeks. This is what quiet time looks like. It's just you. And God, your Bible, and talking to him, reading his word, that's what it looks like. It doesn't have to be in any certain place. You just take your Bible, you take that, and you go and you meet with him. And you have that time with him. The, the example for other Christians, other believers that go before us, that can help and encourage us um, to stay true. And I never left saying, wow greatest. I left a Bible study going, Jesus is the greatest and I love him with all my heart. And I want to read his word and I want to, to, to be fully surrendered to him in everything that I do. So here's some ideas. When you're having quiet time, here's some things that you can do. Prepare the night before. I usually go to the gym every morning 
Um, and I do it as soon as I get up, because if I didn't, I would probably just go back to sleep on the couch. But get things you need the night before. Get your Bible, get your journal, get your prayer journal. If you get a water bottle or a cup of coffee, um, get those things so they're gathered up. Because a lot of times, most of us are sleepy in the morning when you first wake up. So gather what you need. Um, start the day with God. You may not be a morning person, but you could have some time with him in the morning as you start your day. Uh, and maybe you had your greatest time in the afternoon, or maybe you have it on your lunch break, or you could have it at night. Um, there's all different times, but that you have that time with him, um, which is important. And I remember when my kids were little, um, I loved the flip calendars and the ones that you just flip and there's just a verse per day. And it was something I could carry one kid on one hip and one on the other. And I could walk around the house and look at all my flip calendars. And that's what I used lots of them. And I had them all over the place. And it was really helpful for me to have those things. And maybe there's something like that that you may have. Um, but one good thing to do is pick a time. That, could, that Sometimes that could be something helpful. Maybe your schedule so crazy, it, there's just not any. But if you can, pick a time, pick a place, a place that you can kind of carve out a place that you can sit. You want it to be comfortable, not too comfortable. You know, laying horizontal in the bed is usually not the best place to have quiet time. It's uh, not for very long if you don't want to. And ask God to help you. And I do that all the time. Sometimes I read and I'm like, I don't know what I just read. God, will you help me to, to understand what I just read? So it'll make sense or guide me what to read. Cause you may be like, I don't even know what to read. Um, or I'm just struggling. I'm just hurting. And then ask him to help you and to lead you with what you're reading and just read it again. Sometimes um, God said, you know, just read that same chapter again, read it again and read it again, read it again. Um, and I think that's helpful. Um, it's just sometimes you may be just in one book or in one area um, and just just stay there. If that's where if that's where Jesus has you reading, then, then stay right there. Um, these are just a few practical tips. These are just some things I'll show you that I'm doing or that that have helped me. Um, this was a thing. It was 31 things to pray for your children. And it was different verses and it was things that you could pray for your kids. And so I just taped it up in the cabinet in the kitchen and I've had it up there for years and I'm able to use it. Um, and then I've got this little thing that was in our church bulletin. And I just cut it out and said, people united in prayer for a day can make an impact for generations to come. That's probably 15 years ago that I've taped that up there and it still means something to me um, and it's helpful. So use your cabinet space to be able to, to have different prayer prompts. Um, I have, this is a different cabinet in the kitchen and this one has our, my prayer list. And if you can see, I have different things that I pray for on Sundays and Mondays, Tuesdays. I mean, I pray for my husband and my kids like every day, but then there's different people that at different times so that I cover my sisters. And so I cover my, my dad and my stepmom and my mom and my stepdad and, and my in-laws. And so those are all on different days of the week. And so that helps me to remember them. And there's always urgent needs or urgent prayers or current things. Those are separate, but these are like regular prayers. And, you know, our church is on here and different ministries. And I have that also in my prayer book as well, which really helps. And this is um, in another room, in a bathroom, in a cabinet. And so and it's that doing that say, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this has helped me. And so maybe maybe I don't look at it on Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I do. Because I'm not saying that, but these are options of ways that maybe you can give yourself um, things that you can pray for and give yourself, give some prayer prompts. But bathroom cabinets and kitchen cabinets are a great place to put those things while you're cooking or while you're brushing your teeth. Excellent time, excellent way you can use your, your this space for a good, good reason.
Okay. I just thought this was funny. Um, but some things don't matter. This is, you know, they're not even going to work on some things don't matter. So we're not going to dwell on those. Let's let's make sure we use our time on what really does matter, what really does matter and have that time with God. So some things, if it doesn't matter, that's not what we want to concentrate our time on. Um, my husband and I always want to pray together, but we would forget a lot of times. And so we finally set a timer on our phones. We both set a timer. And so they both go off at the exact same time. And it reminds us to pray together every night. And so this is just me taking a screenshot, us taking a screenshot of our phones, of, of our alarms that we have set. Maybe that's something that you could do. Um, you can set it, you can set alarms on your phone for anything, but you could maybe you've got one for your kids or maybe for uh, the teacher or your coworker or your neighbor or somebody that's struggling. We had a friend that was um, really sick and in the hospital and I was so worried about her and I wear a stopwatch. I know it's very stylish, but you can set it to beep every hour. And while she was in the hospital, things like for a good week, I prayed for her every single hour I was awake. Every, and it would just beep and it would remind me to pray for her. I was so worried and so scared uh, about her health, but and it helped me. And so you can use things like that to help give yourself reminders to pray. Um, remember your missionaries. Remember those who are serving around the world. Um, a lot of times they have prayer cards and stuff. And so these are a lot of people that are near and dear to my heart. And you may recognize some, but but it helps me to see them, to remember them and remember people that I'm praying for. Um, and I love this too. If when you're having your quiet time and God speaks to you and he gives you guidance, he gives you direction, he gives you an answer, he gives you a verse, scripture, write it down, write it down. And I love these two, two passages, Psalm 77 and 11. But then I recall all you've done, O Lord. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. What a blessing for yourself later to reflect back on, for your kids, for your grandkids, for somebody else you're talking to, for you to say, oh, well, this is where God met me here and here and here and here. And I've already, I've got it written down. And so you can encourage you, maybe when you're having a difficult time, that you can go back and remember, oh, God was faithful here. He was faithful here. He was faithful here. And so the Deuteronomy 4, 9, I love that. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Yeah, what a treasure, what a treasure. And so we want to make sure we remember that. Okay, now the last thing that I want to do, I shouldn't say last things make you think it, I'm almost done, but there's four sections right now that we want to look at Jesus's discipline what Jesus, his discipline with four different areas, with scripture, prayer, compassion, and his mission, or at least have something where you can write these passages down. Cause we're going to look at these because spoken on spiritual disciplines, a lot of time, and I'm almost completely changed every single thing in it, because I feel like this is what, what God's wanted to be shared, especially in one of this to be at the end. If we see, okay, what's the discipline that Jesus showed in scripture and so what, so be sure you can write these different passages down. So let me, okay, we're first, we're going to look at Jesus's discipline of scripture. And so we'll first look at Matthew 12, three through five, Matthew 12, three through five. So Matthew 12, three through five, Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went to the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. 
And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? So just short scripture here where he's referring back to scripture. Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Referring back to scripture. Be in God's word. Know what it says. Um, Matthew 7, 12. Matthew 7, 12. And then Jesus says, it's a golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So he's referring again to God's law. Matthew 7, 12. So now let's look at Luke 24, 27. Luke 24, 27. Okay. Then remember, this is at the end. Jesus, Jesus is resurrected. He's talking to two men that are on the 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 men that are walking on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to them. And so in verse 27, it says, Then Jesus looked, took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I think just the significance of what Jesus is sharing here. He's going back through scripture and talking to them and, and telling them about the scriptures. So let's look at one more with Jesus's discipline of scripture. And that's in Matthew 4. And I think a lot of these, maybe there's something specific that God's speaking to you that could encourage you as you're um, hearing some of these different passages. But this is when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And we know that we've heard of these things, but let's go back and just reflect on these. So first looking at Matthew 4. One through four. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell these loaves to become, oh, sorry, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's so he's quoting scripture. Jesus is quoting scripture here in, in this time of temptation and trial in the wilderness. And so then if we go and we look in chapter in verse seven, so he's getting tempted again. And Jesus in verse seven responds, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So the scriptures also say, and then verse 10, he's tempted again by Satan. And it says, Verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So Jesus, we see examples and there's lots more, um, but they said I have to get done um, in a timely manner, so I can't go over all of them. But there's so many scriptures where Jesus refers um, to scripture. And so which is significant. So there's di Jesus's discipline of scripture. And now Jesus's discipline of prayer. So let's look up Luke 5, 16. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And if we just look over also in Luke 4, 42, Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. These are places that he could be alone, places that he could have some isolation away from other people. 
and he had this time of prayer. And so we're going to see that through scripture. And so now let's look in John 11. John 11, 41, 42. Okay. So this is when um, Lazarus is getting raised from the dead. Um, and Jesus says in verse 40, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And I love that. And for us to remember when we're praying, Jesus, you hear me. I know you hear me. And so we can trust that as well, just as Jesus gave us that example. Okay, now we're going to look at Mark 6, 45 and 46. Mark 6, 45 and 46. Okay, immediately after this, remember, he just, Jesus just fed the 5,000. And so they collect all the leftovers. And then verse 45 in chapter 6, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida, where while he sent the people home, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And so we can imagine how big and busy all this was that was going on with the, after feeding the 5,000, he makes it, has the disciples go away, dismisses the crowds, and then he goes and finds a quiet place to pray. Another significance and example for us to remember how important it is to have that quiet time of prayer. And then Matthew 26 Another verse, when Jesus is in trial here in the Garden of Gethsemane, but to see his perseverance in prayer. We're going to see his perseverance in prayer. So Matthew 26, 36 to 44. And a lot of times I've looked at the disciples and their response. They're sleeping. Uh, they're sleeping again. Yep, they're sleeping again. Man, they are sleeping. God help me not to sleep. Well, let's look at what Jesus, his response when he's in here in the scripture. So verse 36, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's already said he's going to sit, sit with me while I go pray. Then he went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples, found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak getting good teaching from Jesus. And then Jesus, lets it, verse 42, Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And so Jesus, no matter that the disciples were asleep themselves, but Jesus kept praying and he, and he went and prayed again and he went and prayed again. And this is a time of great difficulty. So you may have a day where you got to spend all day in prayer. And we see, I think it's Luke chapter six, 
where Jesus prayed all night before he called the disciples. Um, so having that time in prayer, we see G the example of Jesus doing that and having that discipline of prayer and for us to have the same thing. Okay, Jesus also had the discipline of compassion. And I think this is significant. And I think we such a blessing to our hearts as we see this. And we know that we know that of Jesus, but we can be reminded of his goodness and his compassion and his love for other people. But Mark chapter six, verse 30 to 34, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. I love this verse. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So think that's why we always want to know the context of what we're reading in scripture, not just read one verse or two verses, but see what's going on. So, right, we're going to read these next verses, but it's significant for us to see there is busyness. They were trying to go away for a quiet time to rest with Jesus. But then if we look here in verse 32, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Verse 33, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And so think about how we might be thinking if we're exhausted, we're weary, we're tired. It's just been overwhelming. There's so much going on. But we see Jesus's response. And now we see his discipline of compassion. Verse 30 or 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Remember, they're going to find rest. They're going to find quiet. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. We may be called to do something like that. We may be called to something in the midst of when we are tired, when we are stressed, when we are pulled. But we see Jesus doing this over and over and over again. So let's look at two more examples in Mark 10, 46 to 52. Mark 10. And this is the blind man that yells out to Jesus. So Mark 10, 46. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of was sitting beside the road when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so then we see the merciful response of the people around him. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So he doesn't care. He's trying to get Jesus's attention. And I love this. Verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So when this man's calling out, the crowd tells him to be quiet. But he keeps calling out and Jesus tells him to come to him. And just just what sweet um, compassion from Jesus that we see yet again. And the response of this man after he's healed, he follows Jesus down the road. He wants to be with him. He wants to cling to him. Great plan. So last one, let's look in Luke 8. So Luke 8. 
And this is, remember, the synagogue leader was came and his daughter was dying. And so he comes to find Jesus and say, can you come to see about my daughter? Okay. And it says, as he went, verse 42, as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And, it, and that's where they get, Peter says, Every, everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So another compassionate response that we see from Jesus, and we see this all through scripture. And our last um, passage that I want us looking at is Jesus's discipline of his mission, of his mission. And all these are going to be in the book of John. So we're going to look at four different passages in here, and then I'll be closing. But John chapter 5, verse 17 and 19. So John chapter 5, 17 and 19. And so it says, but Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. Verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. It's a good example for us. The imitation that we follow. And even Ephesians 1 says we are supposed to be imitators of God. So John chapter 8, 28 and 29. John chapter 8, 28, 29. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. And so we're seeing um, Jesus says he does what, what pleases God. That's what he does. That's his mission. And that's what he does. And he says it over and over again in scripture. So two other scriptures we want to look at. John chapter 12, 49 to 50. Okay, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the father tells me to say. Another great example of Jesus's words. I say what the father tells me to say. Another part, thing we can see about his mission, about him sticking with his mission in John 14, 28 through 31. John 14, 28 through 31. We'll, we'll leave, we'll start at verse 27, where Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the father. 
who's greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they they do happen, you'll believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. And so yet again, he says he does exactly what God tells him to do. And so we're seeing what Jesus, the way he did it. And that's what we're trying to see in these four different examples. Jesus' discipline of scripture, prayer, compassion, and his mission. And for us to do the same. And so what we can remember, the end result, if you can't remember anything else, maybe put that at the top of your notes, but just follow Jesus. Just follow him. Just follow him. Do it like he did it. Walk like he walked. Talk like he talked. Respond like he responded. Go to God like he went to God. Listen and say and only say what what God tells you to say. Do it just like He did it. And so I'm going to give you your last bit of advice. Um, maybe get ready so you can write this down. It's very very important. It's spend more time with Jesus. Um, I write a study and I wrote it on a post-it note on several post-it notes and I put them all over the house and I carried this one in my Bible and I still carry it in my Bible. I mean that's it. Just spend time with Him. Remember, he doesn't come to condemn you. He doesn't come to be harsh or hurtful or say, why don't you get up early in the morning? Or why'd you go to bed early and not have time with me? No, that's not that's not the kind of savior that we have. Just spend time with him. If you don't understand something, ask him. Just cling to him. And that's what I think the sweet thing when Jesus was with his disciples, when they didn't understand, when they messed up, what did he do? He kept teaching them. When they messed up again, he kept loving them. He kept showing them the example. He kept showing them the way he wanted them to live. And that's what we want to do ourselves. And so that's our final, that's our ultimate goal is just spend time with him. And if we spend time with him, we'll look more like him and respond like him. So I hope this has helped you to, um, maybe you got some ways that you can just kind of get closer to God and just, or maybe just been reminded, been reminded of just how good he is. And, and even the scriptures that just show how Jesus did it.